0: Great forehand. All right. Welcome (laughs) to the real podcast. I have a really good friend, agent of mine, Ryan Cohen. I'm happy you're on. Uh, Ryan is a father of one, Theo, who is also in, well, was in uh, Stella's class. And Still, I think Stella has a crush on Theo, but we're going to arrange that marriage pretty soon. <laughs> I haven't heard that one, but possibly. <laughs> and his wife is Randy, very good friends of our family, and I'm happy to have you on. Ryan, welcome.
1: Thanks, man. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah. So, obviously, through social media, over the past few weeks, we've been getting bombarded with property tax questions, um, with the recent tax bills going out. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's assessed value skyrocketed, not only in San Antonio, yep. but across the state, and I'm assuming maybe across the nation. And I figure what better way to address some of these concerns and questions than have the expert here. But I wanna start by going back, Ryan. I, I so you're from San Antonio?
1: Yeah, born and raised San Antonio, grew up uh Days of Allah when it was still nice just woods. There's skate
0: parks back in the- <laughs> Yeah.
1: It, <laughs> Where did you go to high school? school? So um I went to Clark High School, so still on Days of Allah, but yeah. between then and there, um moved around a couple times. Lived in Leon Springs for a little bit, but, you know, San Antonio is uh, born and raised, uh, so I went to Clark. Yep.
0: Yeah, and so you had a, a very unconventional uh, childhood, and I always bring this up because Ryan's an agent with Greater San Antonio Real Estate, and my biggest, like, plug with Ryan is he has his own documentary, which is true. You got your own documentary. I don't have a lot of friends that have their own documentary, but why do you have your own documentary? What started this?
1: Yeah, well, I wouldn't say it's my own, but it's I'm a part of it, so... <laughs> Um, i only watched grow- you nobody else yeah okay you skip, else. skip through the, the bad <laughs> parts right um so i actually in another world before you know being a lawyer i used to play paintball <laughs> which is not ping pong or anything like that but paintball right um and our team local team san antonio x factor actually um just a bunch of kids you know i started playing when i was like maybe middle school yeah. and you know, worked your way up through the rankings and we actually made it all the way to the professional circuit. And, um, you know, it was kind of the same kids that grew up together with me. I still call my good friends, still talk to almost every day. And so, um, you know, we, uh, kind of made a name for ourselves and they made a documentary. It's on Amazon, I yeah. believe. And, um, yeah, best kids in Texas. So
0: I feel like watching the documentary, you guys, I don't know anything about the paintball industry. My childhood was growing up, birthday was rolling around. My dad would book Paintball for all my friends. And that was a cool place to do their laser quest and do a lock in. But like watching that documentary, I feel like you guys really pioneered paintball in San Antonio, at least. I don't know where else, but
1: I think so. I mean, maybe not pioneered, but we definitely brought it to the national stage and got recognized pretty quickly. And, you know, San Antonio X Factor, like I said, I started that team with. My good friend Sean, who happened to be in my class in like fifth grade. Nice. Right. And then my brother and um, Sean's dad, Alex, still runs and owns X Factor. Um, and X Factor Paintball Park is there off of 1604 Nacogdoches, which is the biggest paintball park in South Texas. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> awesome. Alex is like a second father than me. Yeah, right. So, cool. um, you know, if you ever want to play paintball, you know, go to X Factor. Yeah. And your and, brother plays too or did? He did. Yeah. Do y'all still play? Every once in a while. I mean, yeah. I would probably get winded a lot quicker. <laughs> I'm probably good for like 30 minutes maybe. Yeah. Um, but I'll go every once in a while I'll just make sure I still got it. You know, it's like riding a bike. Dude, paintball so, gets intense.
0: I remember like being a kid and there was some adults at the time, which are probably like our age now. Yeah. But yeah. they would get in legit fights. Like I mean, people and would then, run up on each other and I'd get too close and then it'd be a huge like <laughs> altercation.
1: It could be. I mean, yeah. but Have you been then they were just mad film? at I, You know, I haven't, but... Maybe one of my teammates may have. Maybe <laughs> you know we got thrown out one time. Yeah. Um, but usually it's a pretty calm sport. Um, but yeah, no, no, no big dudes fighting each other. They were just mad because we were the midgets with machine guns, really, just running <laughs> what around. What was that team name? X Factor. Yeah, oh, it was okay. Still gotcha. San Antonio X Factor. Yeah, yeah. So, and so it
0: was like was, when Randy came around. Was she like, man, look at this paintball stud. I need to have him. She
1: had probably no idea about that <laughs> past life because I I started my now wife but then girlfriend randy um she and i kind of started dating closer towards the end of college when i was starting to go to law school and you know i was playing paintball nationally since you know middle school high school was like my heydays and and then into college and so she probably didn't know about that past life but she still hears about it and yeah
0: do colleges have paintball teams
1: They do. There's actually a college circuit. I think it's called the National Collegiate, something, 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 right? So, but there is a whole college um, league. And I actually did play for the University of Texas paintball team. What? When I went to I UT, yeah, and then I played for I don't know if I ever did play for the UTSA Roadrunner team, but it's yeah, it's it's pretty competitive and it's
0: you get scholarships and stuff to play. I
1: football. don't know if they have scholarships. It's not like it's not like that. It's more like a, like, a club league, if say, anything. Texas
0: State had a Quidditch team. Like I remember, like I, my dorm was outside. Yeah, you went to Texas State, yeah. My dorm was outside the field where they had these tournaments going on, and it people would kids with brooms. I'm like, what? honestly, yeah. <laughs> what? They
1: they probably got paid more than the paintball players, oh for sure, so, yeah. Paintball is not something you can really sustain a living unless you're like one of the top, (laughs) top players and sponsors. Even then, yeah. I mean, this year we've actually seen some players get, you know, six figure contracts, which is something new that we're seeing. But um, even then, you've got to fly somewhere every weekend to host a clinic or, you know, and then there's tournaments six times a year all throughout the country. And then there's other leagues, there's European leagues, there's Asian leagues. This could be a dumb question, but is there paintball practices? That's all you do. Yeah, every weekend you need to practice. Okay. Right? So, what, um,
0: what kind of drills do you guys <laughs> have? Like, like
1: yeah, you know, like we play a lot of one on ones, just conditioning drills, gotcha. breakout drills, um, and then every tournament. So there's about a tournament every couple of months. They'll release the field layout, so it's different every event. Yeah. And so we'll have teams fly in, and we'll practice those that teams, kind of like scrimmage. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, see what works
0: and see what doesn't. Dang, that's intense. And so. As a kid, I'm sure you're like, Hey, I want to be a pro paintballer. And then all of a sudden you turn to attorney <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a law school.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if I wanted to be a pro. I mean, everybody wants to make it professionally. Yeah. Um, it just happened really quickly for us. Um, you know, we, we went from D3, which is the lowest ranking, you know, to enter a tournament all the way to professional within three years, yeah. which nobody's ever done.
0: And y'all went to California for a big tournament, right? That's why I, that's all. It,
1: w- yeah. I mean, we travel everywhere. Um, my team just got back from Florida. Um, there's actually an event in Texas coming up in a couple of weeks. And then, nice. you know, there's usually tournaments in California, Vegas, somewhere on the northeast. Um, but, um, yeah, from from transitioning from playing paintball, kind of knowing that that's not going to be something I'm going to be doing forever. Yeah. Let me kind of get serious. Um, I picked law school just because I guess that's what people kind of default to and they don't really know <laughs> what they want to do. But so then they're, in they're like, school, right? <laughs> yeah, well, so I, I went into UT uh, pre-med. And then the first semester I took my first biology exam and got like a 40 on it or something yeah. ridiculous. I like failed it right away. And I was like, maybe this isn't for me. <laughs> and, and you learn that like not everybody that goes to med school has a pre-med background, right? right? It's like um, theater, like something. Yeah. Like, they actually yeah. want you to have a diverse background. Mm-hmm. You know, they prefer to see an engineering degree or a mathematics degree or something else that kind of stands out. Every, you know, I would probably say 90% of applicants to med school probably have some sort of medical degree background right undergrad right um but for me law school was always kind of in the back of my mind and i figured well if i don't enjoy medical school let me intern with a law firm which i did i enjoyed it i got into a few law schools um you which know, right?
0: uh, which law firm did you start with
1: so i used to clerk with a local law firm um named Cerna and Cerna, which is you know family friends okay um, And they actually, I office with them now. We share a building downtown, them, me, and another law firm. Nice. And so I still hang out with those guys quite a bit. You know, everybody kind of gives each other referrals. uh, But, you know, transitioning from interning with them through, you know, college and law school to kind of figuring out where I am now. It's, you know, it's a lot of trying and seeing what you like to do.
0: Yeah. What led you to property tax out of all specializations? Yeah. So
1: I went to law school up in Fort Worth and Texas A&M nice uh, University School of Law, so I got my Aggie ring and everything. There you right. go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you but du- did you dunk your ring? Yeah, I, I did the ring dunk. How fast did um, you finish your beer? So I got to the ring dunk late, and everybody <laughs> usually pours their pitcher of beer and then lets it sit, lets it sit, or yeah. pours it into another pitcher and just kind of goes back and forth to get all the bubbles out. Um, I showed up late. I pumped it straight out of the keg, and oh. it like had a good inch or two of head <laughs> on the pitcher, um, and so of course you're trying to chug it. Yeah. And, uh, I probably did it in a couple minutes and then maybe had thrown up afterwards. I don't know. I couldn't do
0: that. I I went to one one time and I was like, man, I don't know how they're, some people would do it like warm beer or they'll do it with dark beer. There was a guy that did it to Guinness. I'm like, good for you, man. Yeah.
1: So I got my Aggie ring and, um, you know, that school has gone up in rankings quite a bit. Uh, They just released the new rankings and I think it's in the top 50 now, which is, it's good. You know, name recognition is, is excellent, especially with A&M. Uh, But when I was there, I took a couple courses on being, um, you know, if you wanted to start your own law firm, you know, it's attorney, solo practice attorneys. And I just happened to be in the class where my professor brought in one of his former students and she was talking about how after she graduated, she protest property values in the DFW area and how she had Dirk Nowitzki's home and oh, all cool. these other cool homes. Yeah. And I, I was kind of interested. I was like, w- w- you know, you don't know, unless you own a home, you don't know much about property taxes. Yeah. Right. You, you don't know who cares.
0: I, even, even only, I have I no lot of sellers or owners that own homes that don't even know what you can protest property taxes. Yeah. Like, what yeah it actually exactly. really is.
1: So when, when I heard that, that, you know, that summer, maybe it was right when I was about to graduate, I asked my parents, I was like, do y'all protest your property values every year? and they said no and so i said well let me try yeah. and so um i probably started off with just my family and friends you know their values kind of learning the ropes down here in bear county and after that i realized it was, was kind of fun you know it's it's kind of it's more real estate involved so you're running comps on the mls you're mm-hmm. looking at homes you're trying to argue to reduce the appraised value which in turn reduces the property taxes that you owe at the end of the year right and so I kind of got interested in that, um, and even then, after I graduated from law school, I started um, as an associate at a commercial litigation firm, which is nothing to do with property yeah. taxes, right? <laughs> <A little different. laughs> So, yeah, I mean, you learn how to sue somebody and and fight for corporations millions of dollars, um, but I still kind of did that on the side. Mm. Um, and so, after a couple years being an associate, I decided to go out on my own, and. I kind of knew property taxes were always going to be in the back of my mind. Yeah. And even then, I knew that when I was still in law school. Um, and that's why I registered the domain protesttax.com. Nice. So it a great domain. It's a great domain. Yeah. yeah. I mean, now I'm of Google searches, I'm sure that comes <laughs> up. Yeah. I was like, so protesttax.com, I registered yeah. that back in 2015. Remember that? Yeah. And so I always knew like I was always going to have that avenue to pursue. Um it's just now values have gone up crazy that it's it's nothing like we've seen before. Yeah,
0: I want to get into that a little bit. So kind of the meat potatoes of all of this. What what determines that? What how does how does a county get to a point to raise the taxes every year?
1: Yeah, so here's kind of like the 411 on property taxes. And um you mentioned at the beginning that everybody received their their tax bill. Um it, it, they actually received an estimated tax bill, but it you received your notice of appraised value. And so Every year around April 1st, you'll get that notice of appraised value in the mail. And it will tell you what the appraisal district is placing as a value for your property. And of course, it tells you there's a deadline to file a protest. Mm-hmm. And it's it's May 15th or 30 days after you receive that notice of appraised value. And so your whole goal is to protest the value to try to get it down as low as possible because then you pay less property taxes. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. And- Obviously, there's a reason why everybody's went up this year. What, is, what, what do you think yeah, is the so, for that? Um,
1: so there's three appraisal methods okay. that the appraisal district uses, depending on the type of property. Single-family homes are appraised on a sales approach, right? It's a mass appraisal system. And so when we see sales have gone up 20 to 30% right. from the previous year, that means your values are going to go up 20 to 30% and this jump and that's what we've seen you know for for most of my clients here in bear county um you know it's 20 to 30 percent across the board and so um you know they have a a reason to justify those increases but of course you want to you want to protest it every single year to get that down as low as possible
0: so i i mean the scenario that i'm dealing with mostly is i have sellers in neighborhoods that don't want to sell which is Mm -hmm. I, i understand but their tax values or assessed values are going up tremendously because their neighbors are selling houses that are
1: yeah thirty yeah. percent
0: more than market value. And so like when the county sees that, is that how they're determining that okay, everybody on the street probably gets a higher assessed value than normal just based on what their neighbors are doing?
1: So they do break it down into neighborhoods. So if you actually go to the appraisal district's website, um, you know BC, BCAD BCAD.org BCAD. yeah, which stands for Bear County appraisal district, you can actually run a property search and you'll see what neighborhood they assign to your property. And so they're only supposed to appraise your values um, to similar homes, right? And so they're not appraising homes in the Dominion with homes, you know, even in Crown Ridge Mm -hmm. across the street. You know, it's usually homes in the same neighborhood code. And so um, even though, so yes, when your neighbors sell their property and they're selling it for $100,000 more than they would have last year, that's going to reflect in the values for the entire neighborhood. Is there a
0: max amount that the county can only increase the value of?
1: No, there's actually not. Okay, um, I've heard.
0: I've heard there's like yeah. So max.
1: so so let me let me say this. Yeah. So the appraisal district can appraise your value however high they want it to. It can go up fifty, hundred percent. But if it's your homestead property ah. and you have a homestead exemption on your property, even though the appraised value can go up thirty percent, your assessed value, which is the taxable value, can increase no more than ten percent from the previous year. Gotcha. So to kind of give you a, a a pretty easy example let's say your home's three hundred thousand dollars and you just got your notice of appraised value and it's five hundred thousand dollars right well ten percent more than three hundred thousand dollars is three hundred and thirty thousand so yeah. you know it will probably say assessed value three hundred thirty thousand and then appraised value is five hundred thousand oh. but you're only getting taxed at three hundred and thirty thousand dollars, the assessed value, the assessed value. Okay. exactly and, and that's only your homestead property. It does not apply to investment, rental properties, commercial properties, any other property but your homestead property. Gotcha. And so and so it's, it's kind of challenging this year because when you go to a protest, you're protesting the appraised value, not the assessed value. Right. So in that example, when I go for a protest, the value that I'm reducing is $500,000. Okay. Right? So the only way to see any true tax savings in, in that example is if you get that. $500,000 below the, the, a capped assess value of 330,000. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, s- you know, something we don't really see a lot of, you know, which creates that huge homestead cap. Right. And so it's, it's something very unique this year that, um, luckily if you have a homestead exemption, you probably are capped at 10%, but it's still 10% more than you're paying last year. Yeah. So you definitely want to protest.
0: And so like the homestead exemption is something that people can fill out once i guess the first year they move in if they want to or so I it
1: used that? to be that you had to live in the property on january 1st okay. for to be able to claim, claim the homestead but they actually just passed a new law this year that you can claim your homestead exemption when you move in nice. so if you moved in in february or march you claim your homestead for 2022 you'll get the homestead Credit for 2022. Gotcha. Yeah, and and what that does is it's a partial exemption, which reduces the assessed value, how much you're actually paying, by twenty five thousand dollars, as it applies to the school district taxes. Okay. And and kind of plug here, um, early voting starts next week. <laughs> nice. And we're voting to actually increase the amount on the homestead exemption from twenty five thousand to forty thousand. Wow. So that's going to help taxpayers save an extra 150, 200 bucks. So. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know if it will get applied this year. I think it will go into effect in 2023. But make sure you do vote in the next. You know, for the in the May um, elections for increasing that homestead uh, cap, not homestead cap, but homestead exemption amount from 25 to 40 thousand.
0: What other exemptions are there besides homestead? That some the most
1: common oh. exemption you'll see is uh, for older individuals is the over 65 exemption. Gotcha. And what that does is. Um, it has to be your homestead property as well. But in addition to the homestead, you have the over 65. It adds a little bit more on the you know exemption amount. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, it creates a tax ceiling, which basically means the year you turn 65, the amount of taxes that you pay that year is what you're going to be paying going forward.
0: And you can't lower it from there. Anyway, you well,
1: you you can't really lower it unless you get the uh, you know the appraised value down below the year you turn sixty five, which could lower it. Gotcha. Right. It's just okay. a tax ceiling. It's not a tax floor. Yeah. So, um, the only two taxing entities that don't care about your over sixty five exemption currently are the river authority and the healthcare system, <laughs> nice. which are very low tax rates. Yeah. So if you have an over sixty five exemption, um, you know your tax bill may increase eighty to hundred bucks, but it's not going up thousands of dollars, which we're seeing right now.
0: Yeah. What areas of San Antonio are you seeing mostly the highest increases in?
1: Everywhere. Everywhere. Honestly, the whole it's everywhere. I mean, <laughs> you, you've seen it. You're in Asia. Yeah. You see, you know, values are selling more than they've ever, you know, higher than they've ever sold before. So, yeah. um, you know, it, I, I would say it's, it's really across the board everywhere. Um, but mostly for single family homes, um, right. family apartment complexes, Commercial buildings, um, those aren't increasing as much as okay. single family homes. And that's because the market, especially, you know, with COVID and everything, um, you know, you're not seeing those crazy increases.
0: Yeah. Right. It, and it's going to continue. So the, I was telling, I forgot who I was telling, maybe it was you, Leroy, that last week I, I submitted about seven, eight offers that week. And way over asking, mm-hmm. like sixty to $90,000 over asking, crazy terms. And I lost every single one of them in the yeah. same week. And I'm like, I've never felt more defeated in my life. Like this is this is a lot. And what's crazy is you would think it's slowing down. I had the same conversation with some of my other clients last year. He's like, Yeah, it'll slow down a little bit. It'll, it'll kind of steady out. It's not. Like even though rates are increasing, people mm-hmm. are still trying to hurry up to buy because they think they're gonna go any higher. And it's just it's it's. I can continue to see the market the way it is now at least until the next increase in in, in rates. But I don't. It just can continue. And next next year might be even crazier. Who knows?
1: It, yeah, and that's what we're seeing right now. I mean. It, it, you're right. Values are have gone up tremendously over the past couple of years. Um, rents have gone up, and nobody wants to pay fifteen to two hundred, you know, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars a month yeah. in you know an apartment. And so people are buying homes, and there's low inventory. And San Antonio is actually not as you know high as values as compared to Austin or Dallas or yeah. maybe even Houston. So it's it's really opportune for investors to buy properties here in San Antonio. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean for people that are. Bu- um, that are protesting their values. I'm getting a lot of people from California that say, I just bought this home and I tell them (laughs) you're the reason why all these values keep going up. You know, it's (laughs) it's,
0: actually, I have clients in Austin and, and Dallas that are like, you know, we're, Retired of Austin, retired of Dallas is a better bang for a buck in San Antonio. And here comes all that cash from those cities. Yeah. So So. that's
1: what's driving up these, these values, you know, and granted the low inventory right now. So as long as values keep going up, I mean, appraised values are going to continue to to climb up. And even if it, you know, quote unquote, the market crashes, you know, a crashes, what a $50,000 reduction than maybe what it would sell for now. But the interest rates are going to go up. Your mortgage payment is going to be higher than it would be when the market wasn't crashing right either way you're going to
0: pay so i mean okay so i want to go two routes here because there's if if every homeowner got their assessed value or their Their appraised value yeah yeah and they can go two routes they can either try and protest themselves or they can go with somebody like you who might be a one-stop shop i don't know but if i'm going to do it myself what's my next step
1: sure so you want to make sure you follow your notice of protest before the protest deadline and on the appraised value, the notice of appraised value, it should have come with a notice of protest form. Just make sure you fill that out and submit it. Um, if if it's your homestead, you can also file it online. So there will be a PIN number on the top, I believe, near the top right of the notice of appraised value. You can protest online. Um, that's what everybody's doing right now. Okay. Um, if you aren't able to protest online, make sure you send in your notice of protest form to the appraisal district they'll let you know when you'll have an informal, informal hearing. So that's step one is follow your notice of protest. Step two is to gather your evidence and and get ready for your protest hearings. (laughs) Yeah. So that's when you reach out to somebody like David and say, hey, can you send me some comps in my neighborhood? I I need them to help protest the appraised value. Um, And and I'm not saying you're dead in the water without comps, but a lot of evidence will be um, from the MLS sales because the appraisal district is supposed to place you know, market value. Right. And so, market is the MLS. So, you want to be able to ask for comps. You want to be able to show that this home sold for how much you're appraising my home, but this one was updated, brand new, had new flooring, new counter, everything. Yeah. My home, you know, looks like, like shit, right? You yeah. want to try to cast your property in the worst light possible. Yeah. And so, you want to have photos. You want to bring in any photos of property damage, um, especially big ticket items. You know, if you have foundation work, uh, flooring, bad roof, bad roof. Yeah. Um, you know, every April we get a hailstorm. We yeah. just had one or two. Make the your past. house
0: look really bad. Yeah. <laughs>
1: look at, make sure it looks <laughs> terrible. I'm not yeah. saying, you know, bust a hole in the wall yeah. or anything like that, but you know, if you were thinking of replacing your flooring, cause it's warped, you know, it may be worth trying to get a bid. Um, yeah. if you have any invoices from work you've done in the past year, you want to be able to, to show that to them as well.
0: So if they, the the comps are using from MLS, which I can help you guys out with, or Ryan can, but what about, because there's a ton of off-market sales. So should you reach out to real estate agents about, I mean, how would you go Can we use those? They're private.
1: So again, the appraised value is supposed to be market value. So they always stress market, market, market. And a lot of my investors buy off-market deals. And so, yeah, it's great that they provide that and it is viewed as material but it's not weighed as strongly as a market sale gotcha um and usually if you still paid commissions then that could help right if if even if it was an off-market sale but you can show on the hud or the settlement statement that you had commissions paid that could indicate you know it kind of was a market transaction yeah um and so, yeah, for, for off-market sales, I would say you still want to provide the, the settlement statement or HUD that shows the sales price, okay. but it's not a slam dunk gotcha. like the MLS. You know, my favorite properties are clients that I just bought this home, um, you know, and they're appraising it for more than what I just bought it for. I'm like, okay, let me just that's print me. out the MLS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, that's me too. Yeah. I, you know, not by much, not as much as you, but um, <laughs> yeah, so, so those are good cases because yeah. I'll let them know I'm fairly confident we can get down to at least sales price gotcha okay but that's the problem right now is everybody's paying way more than than market we're yeah. kind of the exception right <laughs> so
0: <laughs> well if you work with us we can, we can yeah we can get you a good money. deal right uh, so.
1: so got the comps from MLS by your trusted Realtors
0: um, what else can I take with them
1: so photos are you know usually the second best type of evidence because those are personal right yeah. so you want to be able to show that those photos reflect your current condition of your home. And like
0: iPhone photos? They can just take their iPhone photos? Yeah, okay. just
1: iPhone photos. Um, you know, I believe if you submit an online protest, you can actually upload the photos to your your little portal. Um, but if not, you, you know, before COVID, you'd actually go into the appraisal district and, right. you know, speak with somebody. I don't know if they've done that. They've opened that back up. But photos are very common. You know, when I when I get clients, I give them a questionnaire. And I always ask, complete it, send it back with any evidence that supports, you know, a bad roof or a foundation issue. Yeah. And so photos are great. Um, The third most common type of evidence besides comps, photos, you know, invoices or bids for repairs. Gotcha. um, Stuff of that.
0: Okay. And assuming they're able to open up the, the doors and let these people in to be in front of somebody, what's the best method of approaching somebody like that? Like, is it... Is it all factual or do, is, it, is it worth it to try and tie some emotion to it?
1: No, you want to leave the emotion at the door. Okay. You, know, you don't right. want to be too emotional <laughs> and you don't want to bring up taxes because gotcha. they don't care about the taxes. Their whole job is about the appraised value. That's right. And so, yeah. you know, you can say, oh, my taxes increase a thousand bucks. Like, okay, great. But what you're really trying to argue is the appraised value is too high compared to other. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and just let me back up. That reminds me on the protest form, you have to select a reason why you're protesting. I think they clumped in together, but you want to check the box that says unequal value or value unequal compared to similar properties. Okay. Um, so because you check that box, now you can argue that. Gotcha. And there's other reasons to protest. You know, they didn't apply an exemption. The, um, the name on the roll was wrong, stuff like that. But at a protest, 99% of the time, that's the reason that you're protesting.
0: So, okay, that's. A, I mean, that's a good point. So, when you go in there, go with the mindset of a, of attack, like attacking the sales price with sales price. Sorry, I'm in real estate mode. The value, assess value, not necessarily the tax value.
1: Yeah, you want to, you want to protest the appraised value. Okay. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Cool. And then, like, say it works. Say they're like, okay, well, what what happens from then on?
1: So let's say you know, in a, in a normal world, you don't have the homestead exemption. You know, um just to kind of give you an idea of your tax savings, right? So the average tax rate in Bear County is just north of 2.5% property tax, right? And so that means that every $10,000 you reduce in appraised value, you're going to save about $250 on your 2022 property tax bill, Nice. Right? 10,000 times two and a half percent, 250 bucks. Um, so after you protest, there's two parts there's an informal and a formal hearing if you can agree to a value at an informal hearing which is you one-on-one with an appraiser then your protest is done um the value that you agreed at the informal hearing will be certified and that value will be used to determine your property taxes when you get your tax bill in october gotcha right Um, if you don't agree with an appraiser informally they'll schedule you for a formal hearing, which they call the ARB, which is the appraisal review board. Um, Sounds scary. It, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> daunting, right? Um, so I always say as like an attorney, like when you file a, a lawsuit, you know, 99% of the time you're going to settle. Yeah. But for the times that you don't settle, this is like going in front of a jury. And it's not bad. Really, it's you in a room at the appraisal district. But instead of you working with an appraiser one-on-one, you're in front of three members of your community that aren't supposed to be, you know, they're not members. They're not working for the appraisal district. Usually they're older individuals that have nothing better to do than serve on the, <laughs> the ARB. Yeah. And um, you present your case, the appraiser that works for the district will present their case. And then it's up to the ARB to decide the value of that property. Um, at that point, you don't want to leave it in the hands of three Yeah. Great citizens of our community to (laughs) decide your value. Um, I'm not saying that they usually tend to agree with the appraisal district, but they see those faces every single year. They know what kind of evidence that they're going to present. Yeah. And, you know, they have a handbook that they've got to follow. So, um, you know, if at that point you still don't, you know, the ARB makes their determination, you have the right to appeal that decision. Um, either through binding arbitration or judicial appeal. You know, my law firm, um, we handle the front part, we handle up to that point. And okay. then, you know, if you want to engage us with, uh, you know, an arbitration or judicial appeal, I know Rahul, that's what they do. Yeah. Um, and I usually tell my clients, look, you're going to be spending a lot of time on attorney fees. Um, and it it's, it's, gonna, it's not going to be worth work. it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, a, you're if, unless you have a $20 million apartment complex and, you're really debating over hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. then it's worth it. But yeah. if it's you know a homeowner that's just trying to get an extra two three hundred dollars, you may just say, "Okay, let's try again next year, which you can It's every single year you can uh, file your notice of protest
0: so say you know we're able to come to an agreement, when does that all take effect? Is it immediate or is it
1: delayed so yeah, so it's so this how the system works is you know you're protesting the appraised value. For 2022, and so your once your values are certified, and then once those taxing entities that make up that tax rate, you know, like the school district, the healthcare, the the city, um, once they finalize their tax rates, then they figure out how much you're going to owe in property taxes. Gotcha. And that's why you get your bill in October after all of the protests Salted are done. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then your property taxes are due January first or in two payments. Just, you know, it depends on how you pay your property taxes. Yeah.
0: Okay. And what? Okay, so that's one route, obviously. What's the benefit or leverage of going with somebody like you right off the bat?
1: Yeah. So if you hire, that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. So <laughs> and you and fifteen other, fifteen hundred other properties, yeah. right? So, um, you know, working with a tax agent or a tax attorney like myself, we handle everything for you. You sign up online, go to protesttax.com, hit start for free. It takes three minutes. You'll agree to representation, the fees for this year, and then we follow your notice of protest we prepare your evidence packet we attend the protest hearings on your behalf nice and normally we only charge if we're successful at your protest hearing this year we're offering clients that have these huge homestead caps like in my example earlier yeah even though we will reduce you know five hundred thousand dollars down to four hundred thousand dollars you're only getting taxed at that ten percent increase so this year we're offering our clients a flat fee and you still want to protest um, because it's going to help next year. Yeah, you know, even though you may have one year where you're not seeing any true tax savings, if you create a lower appraised value this year and it goes back up next year, that's the argument that you're making is that increase compared to if you don't protest, you know, then you're you may have a not as large of an increase, not a great of a fight for next year. Right.
0: So that's why Ray fights. You should fight every single year.
1: Yeah, you you want to protest every single year, okay. no matter what, whether you do it yourself, whether you hire a tax attorney or agent um, but you want to make sure that you do follow your protests in time so would
0: you say that going through somebody like you from the very beginning that i guess the the odds of you being able to protest is are, are a lot bigger than going just doing, doing it by yourself
1: yeah for a couple reasons right okay. we know what evidence the district finds material to reduce your value right um secondly we kind of have more negotiations per se right like if you file an online protest you'll they'll ask you what your opinion of value is and then you'll put it and then if they don't agree if they agree to it great done but if they don't they'll give you a counter offer Mm. and then at that point you either accept or reject and if you reject it you go to the formal hearings the A R B. right if you hire somebody like us we get to go back and forth quite a bit you know we're not just hey accept or reject i go no you know look at our evidence let's 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 hash it out they'll give me an offer. I'll give them a, you know, they'll give me an offer. I'll counter offer and we'll go back and forth quite a bit. And so, you know, and, and they don't want to send me to formal hearings for all of the properties because that would take up a lot of time for them. (laughs) And so it's advantageous for somebody like me to settle uh, more favorably than than somebody who, who doesn't have that much uh, back and forth.
0: So do we provide you the photos and all the comps or is that, how does that work?
1: Yeah, we do everything. So, you know, when, if for example, if you do sign up, we send you a questionnaire, you know, you'll, you'll give us your email address. We'll tell you, thanks for signing up. Here's a questionnaire. And then you'll see on the questionnaire that if you check, you know, if you checked any of the check boxes that say, you know, I have issues that we ask for you to provide photos, yeah. invoices, stuff like that. So you'll email it directly to us and then we file all of the evidence into your account online.
0: Gotcha. I mean, it to me like. Don't get me wrong. I probably do, I could do it myself, but I'd choose not to. But yep. I think the actual the idea behind this is you guys know exactly what's needed, and it's it seems like it's presented in a lot more professional and efficient way. I'm going to spend so much time trying to figure out what's needed. And so it just <laughs> exactly. makes exactly. Yeah, I mean, more that's sense.
1: really where the benefit is to yeah. hire somebody else. Is it? You know, you can do it yourself, and if you want to learn, great. But if you want to spend hours preparing evidence and right. going to the district and sitting there until your name is called and it could not be the right evidence that you need it may not be the yeah. right evidence i mean really like for example the improvements part of your property if you bring in photos of your fence in your driveway they don't really consider that material and i know everybody's fence is falling over and there's yeah. everybody has cracks in their driveway right but they don't consider that part of the improvement of your property right and so what they consider improvement is the home you know and so you want to be able to provide evidence that they view as material. And, um, you know, usually they say limit it to 10 photos. Um, and so we, we know we'll get hundreds of photos from yeah. one client and I'll pick out the 10 photos that I know will be the most helpful.
0: Gotcha. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And then like, how does like, people are always gonna ask, well, how much does it cost to use you? Like what's, what's, yeah. What's so like that?
1: the, the fee is 35% of the estimated tax savings before exemptions. Okay. Right. And, and the whole, um, the, this whole year with the Homestead cap, you know, we are offering a flat fee um, depending on the appraised value um, from 150 to $250, but it's before exemptions. And so, you know, in that example, you know, if we reduce from 500 to $400,000, a $100,000 reduction in appraised value, you'd save about $2,500. Yeah. And so... Our fee is thirty five percent of that tax savings, right? That it's, you would have
0: never save in the first place if you not had done that. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> but if you have your homestead cap, remember yeah. you're you're capped at the assessed value increase, and so, um, you know, our fees are before exemptions, and so it, it's always important to understand um, when you hire somebody what the fees are and, yeah. and be completely transparent with you. Um, and, you know, that's what we're doing. We're letting our clients know, hey, you know, we're going to lower your value. You may not see any true tax savings this year, but it's worth it because it'll be next year. Right. And so, um, you know, that kind of gives you an idea of at a protest, what kind of reduction. And this know,
0: market's not slowing down. So it's, if you're going to do it, I think now's a really good time. to do
1: Yeah. we well, should have done it, you know, right when you bought your property, yeah. but you know, <laughs> and so I have clients that have owned a property for a long time and um, you know, besides protesting, file your homestead exemption. That's this, you know, the second most important thing.
0: Um, okay. I want to kind of flip it around a little bit. What is your craziest property tax story? You got to have one case. It's like, what is this? Is this crazy or
1: yeah. So, and it's kind of like a loophole, right? Um, (laughs) so my guy bought a property and it was just a complete POS. Right. And it was on the apprais- it was on the the appraisal district for like $150,000 or something very cheap and he made it and it, he it was his homestead property right and so he really put a lot of work into it and it was really worth like $800,000 oh, but because it was recently, homestead yeah. So, but because it was his homestead, his assessed value only increased 10% every year. And so even though he was living in like a million dollar home, yeah. he was only paying as if he was living in like a hundred thousand dollar Oh home. my gosh. Um, but that's on the residential side. And I don't know about crazy, but.
0: So what happens if you sell that house?
1: Well, if you sell the house, you lose the exemptions that are on the property. Right. Yep. So, and, and it's the market value. And right? the new
0: buyer would absorb that, yeah. that all of that, what he back what back, it would back? he would have to pay with him. Back tax, like no, right? no, you won't no.
1: pay back taxes. But in that story, it was just it was crazy because this guy was living in a million dollar home. He bought it when it was dirt cheap <laughs> and did some really good rehab on yeah. it. But because it was his homestead, that homestead cap that's awesome, limited his you know, so 10 percent more than a hundred thousand is 110,000. Yeah, so next year he was only getting assessed at like 110,000, and then the following year it was 121,000.
0: Where was this? I think I remember his, I, this sounds familiar. Where was this house at? You don't have to tell me the address, oh, but what man, area? This was.
1: I think that that client was somewhere in like new, the New Braunfels area, oh, okay. I think.
0: There was one in Chavano recently that I saw. I was like, this is...
1: Yeah. I mean, so if you can get it for a great deal, get your homestead exemption on file immediately yeah. and turn it into, you know, a very nice property. And and unfortunately, that's what we're seeing now. You know, even though they're appraising it at one and a half million dollars, your homestead cap is, you know, 600000 wow. so. So, I mean, is it worth filing a protest? Sure. But are you going to see any true tax savings? Probably not. Um, on the flip side for commercial buyers, you know, I do a lot of apartment complexes as well. Those on the tax rolls, you tend to be undervalued and a lot, you know, the market's very, um, it's hot for a single family, but it's it's still very hot for, for apartment complexes, yeah. especially people are trying to move money, invest in syndication deals. And I have a lot of clients that say, Hey Ryan, I'm buying this property for $24 million, but it's on the tax roll for 12 million. million." Mm. I'm like, okay, well, you better underwrite year one at 24 million because yeah, you'll you'll be guaranteed that the value is going to go up to that. Um, and there's ways to to kind of not display what the sales price is, right? Uh, but if the appraisal district sees a change in ownership, they'll they'll look at the security documents, they'll see the deed of trust or the promissory note, they'll see a loan on there, and they'll probably say, okay, that's 75 percent LTV, right, yeah. loan to value. And so then they'll, they'll increase the value of that property, which is what we're seeing. You know, I have these properties that are doubling in value. These 10, $20 million properties that, Sheesh. you know, it's an extra $250,000 in taxes God. that you've got to make sure you bake into your deals to yeah. make sure it works.
0: Um, so logistically, how did the, how does the county? so they send appraisal appraisers out to look at your house, but what's the actual, what are they doing? They just drive by and say, take a peek.
1: Yeah, so they can't they this. can't go into your property, yeah. but you've probably seen the the vans or the trucks that say Bear County appraisal district, and yeah. they're they're doing field visits, so they're looking at your property. Um, if you pulled any permits, they'll know that. But what they do is they'll send plane, they hire um, contract work to to take aerial photographs of your property, like drones or planes, like planes. Oh, yeah, wow. they're taking aerial photographs of the entire Bear County. And then they run it against the computer system that they have. And so if there is, if you're like, oh, I'm gonna build my own pool, yeah. I'm not gonna pull permits, they'll never know. They're not gonna tax me for it. Well, when they take the aerial photographs and then they run it against their system, if it, it'll get flagged huh? that there's something that wasn't there before. Yeah. And so they can't go into your property, but they'll find they'll find out. And you you don't want <laughs> to hide it either because you don't want to hide oh, what yeah. you're doing either because. Let's say you did build a nice pool house, right? And it wasn't on the tax roll for 5 years. Mm-hmm. And then they see, "Oh, we should have added that." They'll send you a bill for for that improvement property um for the past 5 years plus interest. Oh my gosh. And that happens. Like I've had clients saying, "Hey, I uh, I just got a tax bill for an improvement that they didn't have on my property." Um, you know, it's a $120,000 pool house and they're telling me I owe $40,000 in back taxes. Oh man. So yeah. Well, that's you know great.
0: what? So we moved into our house. I I had, I had built a very nice, um, five by five playhouse for Stella. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, probably worth that, like $300,000, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> No,
1: uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think they consider that an improvement or an extra. Just got a
0: kitchen in there. I don't know. We'll yeah, find
1: out. unless it's really nice, you got some AC <laughs> and some foundation poured.
0: Nice. Okay. So also, like, I I know you brought that story about how he was basically paying for a million dollar home, but not but not paying for a million dollar home in taxes. What happens though? Hypothetically, is I've had some situations where uh, it they're using it as a commercial property but it also could be residential. And then when somebody buys it, it obviously changes or what's, what's the story behind that?
1: Yeah. So I how, think can, how can my
0: clients potentially lose a lot of money by paying taxes by something like that?
1: So the most important thing, whenever you change the use, especially of nonprofit or, or property that's exempt, that's the biggest flag yeah. that you want to be careful about. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of old, you know, churches here in San, in San Antonio, that are you know people's houses, right? And you want to buy this great deal, um, but it's it's not paying any property taxes right now. If you change the use of the property, you could be subject to paying back taxes of five to ten years, possibly, um, because you're changing the use of from a non from an exempt property that was paying zero dollars in property taxes to um, you know property now you're paying ten thousand dollars. Right. You know you're turning it into a single family home or a commercial property, and so whenever you change the use of a property, you want to make sure you do your, your do your due diligence. Um, you know, contact a tax attorney and see what effects that could happen on your taxes. Right,
0: bingo. All right, so I had asked earlier on my Instagram a few questions to ask Ryan. I'm gonna go through these. One is, what's to where well, we already did that one? Um, what can Ryan do for his clients? Does he work in the commercial space too?
1: Yes, I do. (laughs) So I would say 90% of my properties are single family homes. Um, The other 10% is commercial. And commercial is broken down into a bunch of different areas. You've got multifamily apartment complexes. You've got office space. You've got retail, strip center, car washes. I mean, everything that's not residential, they consider commercial. Right. And for that, that's a different type of evidence. You know, commercial evidence is your financials, your T12, your rent rolls. So really we're working with those clients differently than we work with our residential clients.
0: Can tenants like for instance, an office space like this, could they potentially see rent increases because of values going up?
1: Well, it depends what kind of lease you have, right? If you have a triple net lease where you're responsible for paying property taxes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And you know, office space, they love triple net leases because they're not responsible for the property taxes. The tenants are Right. right. And so, yeah. You want to make sure, and not only that, but there's also personal, you know, business, personal property taxes. Renditions were due April 15th. Um, we don't, we don't help with those, but those really, um, you don't really have to protest those. If you do it correctly, they're just going to appraise you for your, your business property taxes. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, triple net leases, um, you want to be careful, especially for, for those increases.
0: And then what steps should someone take? We already went through that. Okay. Um, I keep hearing from people that right now it's not a good time to buy a home. This is kind of for me, I guess. Um, if you had bought a home last year, you'd probably be saving about 15% <laughs> for what you're paying for now. So yeah, every, every year it appreciates by like, well now like 10 to 15% per year, which is crazy. Cause it used to be like four or five. Yep. So right now is a good time to buy. If you wait, you're going to be paying more, especially with the way the rates are going. Um, the next question is my favorite because we were talking about this before you even got here. So tonight's Powerball lottery, this has had nothing to do with real estate, by the way, is uh, $370 million if you win. So I obviously bought a lot of, lot of tickets because I'm right, a lucky right. person. And I was going through it with Leroy and I said, hey, man, if you got an email or a text, because if you can do it on your phone now, that the minute you, you won, what would you do?
1: Um, I already know this answer because I've thought about this before, right?
0: <laughs> I feel like everybody got a
1: I know (laughs) I would uh, contact one of my attorney colleagues of mine. (laughs) That's what I said. Yeah. I mean, the first thing you do is get an attorney, Yeah, right? Don't tell anybody and get an attorney. And if you win, you can call me and I'll help you out (laughs) for a very small percentage of your winnings. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, you want to hire an attorney because um, you don't want to just sign the ticket and go up there. I mean, I don't know, but that's from what I've been told. Yeah. Yeah. Get an attorney. Did you tell
0: Randy? Yeah. I mean.
1: Texas is a community <laughs> property spot state. Race. Yeah, I mean, from my family law history, yeah, yeah, Texas is a community property state. So um, if you're married, yeah, it's it's her property too right away. So
0: <laughs> okay. So before we let you guys go, um, I want to thank Ryan for coming on and spending some time with us. Um, his website is protesttax.com. protest ta- ta- protesttax.com. Start sign up. Start with him. It'll save you a lot of time and it will save you a lot of money. Um, And if you have any other questions, I'm going to tag his stuff here. His email will be in the, in the caption, his phone number. You can reach out to me and get it. Uh, He's also on our website at greater Ryan, thank you, man. I'm happy to have you on at a good time. Thanks
1: man. Yeah. Um, It's, it's the perfect time to have me on, you know, tax seasons, protest seasons right around the corner. Um, Make sure you get signed up or if you do it yourself before the deadline, May 15th this year. Yep.
0: Absolutely. All right guys, have a good day. Bye. Thanks.